Mike, appreciate the time this afternoon. How you doing, sir? I'm doing much better than I was last week. Thanks for having me <laughs> on a different day. I appreciate it. We've, uh, we've got a lot going on here as we get ready for the Indianapolis Colts this weekend. It is Oilers Tribute Week. Ooh. We have 80 former Houston Oilers players coming here, which is something kind of exciting for our ownership group. And uh, it's, a, it's an all-star group. There's no doubt about it. And so getting back from Seattle and getting up for this weekend and everything we got going on, it's a little crazy, but all good. Is Earl Campbell physically able to get there? He is not. Oh, Unfortunately, man. he is one of But Warren Moon, uh, Elvin Bethay, uh, Ray Childress, Dan Pastorini, cool. um, Curly Culp. Uh, I mean, you name it, everybody else is going to be here. All these guys we watched as kids. So pretty exciting. And exciting for them, too, because, you know, when we moved, we retained their histories. When the, when the Browns left Cleveland and became the Baltimore Ravens, they left the history behind. Right. So the new Browns have the old Browns' history. Well, as a point of negotiation for our ownership so that the new team wouldn't become the Houston Oilers, uh, they, we took the history with us. So even though we've been in Tennessee for 25 years, we've officially been a franchise for over 60. And these guys really didn't have a place to go because they weren't Houston Texans, and they didn't really know anything about the Tennessee Titans. And now, since Amy Adams Strunk has taken over, she has made them feel like they're very much part of the equation. It's a cool thing. That That's is good. very cool. That's very great. cool. Yeah. Before we talk about the game and the big win, big second half in Seattle, i got to get your thoughts on the initial uh, reaction to you guys calling that Waverly football game last Thursday because of the floods and all that stuff. You guys were uh, gracious enough to have them in Nissan Stadium and treat it like a Titans radio. Uh, it turned into, was it Tigers radio, I think is what they called. Just your, hit. your thoughts on that, man, because I know that had to mean a ton to that community. It meant a ton to me. It's one of the best experiences I've ever had. Uh, to see 6,000 people attend, to see so many people give money to Waverly and Humphreys County, which was, you know, just something that is desperately needed and is still desperately needed. Then to see what turned out to be a great football game, White House won 36-34, to 34, recovering an onside kick to seal the victory in the final seconds. We nearly had a Disney movie on our hands. That's <laughs> That's what we nearly had. But both teams played really well. There were a lot of big plays. Uh, everybody was here. I mean, you had all kinds of the Bernard Childers from the TWSAA and, you know, all kinds of people just attended from the community who wanted to be supportive. And it was just a great feeling. The whole thing had a great feeling. And I appreciate you asking about it because, like I said, it's one of the best experiences I have ever had in broadcast. And, of course, Waverly head coach Randall Bolden, he was down here in Chattanooga at Whitwell when they won their oh, state yeah. championship yep. a couple of years ago, and then he had a chance to go home. So I just thought that was the neatest thing, and I'm so glad that you guys were able to do that. Uh, Thank you. For everybody involved, it had to have been inspirational. Now, talk, talking inspiration, that second half, it looked like the Titans found their identity or, let's say, rediscovered their identity from last year. And, man, when that thing exploded, of course, that's 22, but that guy is such a <laughs> bad man. It's ridiculous. Well, Julio Jones was Julio Jones. Derrick Henry became Derrick Henry again, you know, with the long run. And then, 
you know, started the dominating performance down the stretch and had the good runs in overtime to set up the field goal. Ryan Tannehill was really good all day. We dropped too many passes or else he would have had a monster day. And then what we really saw, I think the real storyline was the defense in the second half. Outside of one horrible bust, and it was horrible, um, on a long pass, they were fantastic. And, they, you know, Russell Wilson had two chances to win the ball game and couldn't do it. So I, I think overall you, you come away with the offense and you say, yeah, the offense, that's what we know. But the defense getting off the field on third down and, and making some plays – uh, certainly a positive sign that gets you going, you know what, uh, if this defense keeps coming on, we we may have a little something here. We always bring up Derrick Henry, and for good reason, he's pretty awesome. Um, but again, you know, I've seen this before. Yeah, he's I'm really like, awesome, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Come on. I've seen this before, but this just, <laughs> this just um, I, was, I was in shock, really. I don't know if it's because he's so big. It was just, this was made such an imprint on me. But when he made that long run, and I forget how many yards it was, but he outran the the defensive back for the most part until he stiffed arm mm-hmm. him into into his grave. <laughs> uh, you know that was that that move right there. Even though it didn't look like he was moving that fast, and I think it's just because he's so big. He's moving really fast, and he can outrun just about anybody on the field. It's still to this day, even though I've seen it a million times. It still amazes me. That 252 pounds or whatever. It's ridiculous. Well, it really is crazy because you're, you're saying, okay, he ran 4.55 at his pro day. Now, that's fast. I mean, that's certainly faster than the average human. And that's fast for a man that size. But that's not Usain Bolt. I will contend, however, that when he hits top speed, he is able to maintain top speed like a two-ton boulder rolling downhill. And, and I think, to your point, Joe, I think it surprises guys because Quadre Diggs is a good defensive back who has good speed, and I think he thought, okay, I'm going to be able to take him at an angle where I can go get him, and then by the time he realized he wasn't going to be able to pull it off, he did get the baby stiff arm at the end, but Diggs is a guy who had 10 tackles in the game. He's not a scaredy cat. He, he's a tough guy. But the, the, the point that you make is that Derek, when he hits top speed, then I think he actually has world-class speed because he's able to maintain it. The other thing to say about Derek, too, Derek knows how to break a long run. He knows how to finish a long run. Some guys don't. Some guys have to make three more cuts or look over their shoulder or, you know, they want to slow down and, and do a little juke at the end. Derek knows if I just keep running, they're not going to catch me. And it, it, I think it's because he's done that since he was like seven years old. You know, he <laughs> just keeps going, and it, it's really it's amazing to watch because I'm with you too. I didn't think he was gone uh, until he got to about the 20, and you're saying he may finish this thing. And then Diggs tried to tackle him at the end, and it was really kind of sad. <laughs> it's real sad. Another one of the great stiff arm uh, replays that has uh, you know that Derrick Henry has uh, cataloged in his career. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. To your point on talking defense too, though, only giving up six points to a pretty good Seattle offense uh, in the second half and in overtime. That's uh, probably as big a reason as and that six points as you mentioned was a busted play. 
you know, that yeah. uh, you gave up a long pass to, I think it was Lockett, right? But that, that's what you want to see, because if you see the offense hitting on all eight cylinders, they don't have to be great, but if they're good and solid and that defense comes to play, whoo, it's going to be a long day for a lot of folks. Well, Seattle couldn't drive the ball in the second half. You know, they, they were – they were getting kicked off the field in three plays, and the Titans ended up winning time of possession by nearly 20 minutes. Wow. Which is a Seattle trademark. You know, they're the great time of possession team. And uh, the Titans just took care of that. It was it was really impressive. Again, you know, they gave up three long passes, and, you know, the, the last one was so bad because it was just a total bust. The other two were... You know, guys beat guys, and the guy who got beat on them is no longer with us. They cut him earlier this week. Um, so, you know, they they certainly understand they've got to be faster back there. But to be in position to make them drive the football and them not be able to do it, uh, very impressive. They are. And the Colts come calling 1 o'clock uh, for a division game, obviously large there at Nissan Stadium on a Sunday. Uh, Titans countdown will begin at noon here in Chattanooga and uh, kick off at 1 o'clock. We'll have complete coverage for that game. But it's a rivalry. We know that, and anything can happen. But you like the Titans' chances, or at least I do. Yeah, except the road teams won in this series the last five games. Now, don't tell me that. Don't uh, tell me that. Come on. I know. <laughs> And, and and they've lost to two good teams. They're desperate. I mean, we're going to get their best shot. This is going to be a physical game because with their quarterback situation being as up in the air as it is, even if Carson Wentz plays, they're going to want to run the football. And that's, and that's what they did well at the end of last year with Jonathan Taylor. So they're going to try to pound it, and we've got to be prepared for that. Right, right. Okay, so uh, talk a little bit about uh, – you got uh, – you were privy to uh, kind of see more than a voice, which is going to be on the SEC Network Sunday at 7 o'clock. It's about uh, long-time legendary voices for each and every athletic program in the SEC. Maybe not focused, maybe not everybody. I mean, you tell me. You saw it. But certainly the legends are going to be talking hold about. Up, hold it. Was, was Mike Keith on the red carpet? You may have been. I don't know. No, it fits. It fits you, Mike. No, there's no red, there's no red carpet. There's no red carpet. <laughs> I just... I was involved in the, this is being done by Tacklebox Films, which is Kenny Chesney's production company. And uh, I helped him out a little bit with some ideas early on because as we talk about every week with you, uh, I'm kind of into the announcer thing, always have been. Uh, anybody who, who spends part of their career with John Ward would be. Certainly. I, I'll put it to you this way. If you are a Tennessee fan, you are going to love this. If you are a Georgia fan, you are going to love this. If you're an Alabama or an Auburn fan, you are really going to love this. So, like your whole listening audience, this is made for them. It is the best one of these that I have ever seen on SEC Network. Oh, I can't wait. As part of the SEC. Oh, I mean, it's just... It is just phenomenally well done. I am in it briefly, you know. That's you know, and they were kind enough to let me see it um, because, like I said, I I did you know share a few ideas and a few backstories with them. I, I mean, I wasn't a producer or anything. I was just some Joe they talked to a little bit, and uh, they were they were kind enough to to let me watch it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I got emotional. I had no idea that some of those things would bring up the emotion in me that it did like when I was a little kid. And 
it was really pretty cool to know that you could still feel that way all these years later, you know, old and jaded as we come. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel you. That, that, seeing, that seeing some of these moments could take you back, and I think it's why John Ward and Larry Munson and Jim Fife and his successors at Auburn, Rod Bramlett and Andy Burcham, and then uh, obviously, John Forney at Alabama, and then what Eli Gold means to Alabama fans, and there are other announcers that are that are part of the story. Jack Crystal from Mississippi State is one of my all-time favorites, and he's a he was an absolute hoot. He was just a he just kind of a crazy old dude, and uh, <laughs> I loved him. Uh, but the stories are good, and it's well told, and they have a lot of great interviews. Um, you won't believe some of the former players who are in it. Uh, one of the more, most poignant moments is actually from SEC Network's own Chris Doring talking about something that happened in his career at Florida. So if you love your team, your team is highlighted. But also if you just sort of love SEC football and you like good stories, you'll love that too. How long is it, two hours? Yeah, I think, with, I think the run time is 90 minutes and then – it's. Uh, I'm sure there are commercials in the midst of it. Right. So I guess it will be 90 minutes over a two-hour period, or maybe they just show it straight through. I don't. I don't know that part of the business end, but I mean, it goes by so fast. When it was over, I was like, "We've been sitting here this long <laughs> because I just we need more." Um, I mean, some of the yeah, some of the John Ward stuff is just absolutely overwhelming and. And the Larry Munson stuff is just phenomenal. And what they did with Ward and Munson that I think was really interesting, and we talked about this when we were discussing some of it nearly a year ago. I said, you know, Ward loved Munson, and Munson loved Ward. They really liked one another a lot. They could not have been more different as people and as broadcasters. Right. But, but they shared an enjoyment of one another as people. And they respected how the other's audience loved them. You know, Ward was this erudite, incredibly smart, educated, by-the-book guy. Uh, Munson was the guy that there was no book. <laughs> he, he smoked the cigars. He, he was, you know, he lived outside the rules he, in, in broadcasting and otherwise. I loved Munson. I thought Munson was so much fun to listen to because he, he was himself, right? He was nobody else. And that's what you find in, in all of this is there really is no one right answer. It's whatever matters to that fan base that all these guys are, are so different. Uh, some of them have similar styles, but usually, I mean, it's, it's pretty different. It's called SEC Storied More Than a Voice, and it'll be on the SEC Network Sunday at 7 o'clock. Definitely set your uh, recording device to get that because it's going to be awesome. Mike, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, good luck Sunday, and I uh, hope we, we, I said we as a Titan fan, a Titan fan. That away. There you go. Come we, on. We bring home the win against the Colts on go Sunday. Titans. That's right. I'm all about it. Our segments are better when we win, let's face it. <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. Thank you, Mike. Have a great week, man. See you guys. Appreciate Bye. it. Michael Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans, joining us here.